Well, here we go. This is our 20th and final episode of the Scaling So Far Speaker Series. Um, we had a goal back in June to speak to loads of founders and talent leaders um, from startups across Europe and find out what their tips and tricks and their um, you know, debunking myths and all kinds of ideas as to how we can help um, and, and you know, best practice to, to try and scale your talent organisation in, uh, in startups. And I have to say that after four months, Today, we are going out with a bang. That's a good thing um, because we've got Alex Jewell with us this morning. Alex is head of talent at Cutover, which is the leader in worker orchestration and observability. Um, and I'm absolutely delighted to have Alex here. We had a bit of a chat earlier in the week. And um, I'm just really pleased to say that the team that has been putting these together has got us someone with massive amounts amounts of uh, of sense of humour and, and, you know, wisecracks, which is, you know, very appealing for me, as those of you who know me um, would already know. Um, Alex, absolutely delighted to have you here live and in colour from Devon, which is where we all wish we were. Um, tell us a bit about your story and, and how you got to cut over and how you got to where you are today. Thanks, Marissa. Wisecracks pre-9am. I'm not sure how good I'm going to be at that, but I'll give it. Oh, please. Give please, it my best. Makes- <laughs> yeah, it makes it pre 9am is bearable isn't it well look it's great to be here thanks for having me and um and yeah number 20 well done to you all i've, I've listened into a good few of them and uh, some great content over the last four months and nice to be rounding it off today uh, so a little bit about my story um being in talent and people all my career I'm from the northeast of england originally grew up around durham and sunderland um went to university in dublin and there i did a master's in business management with a lot of kind of hr and talent leaning um then i was super lucky Time where Dropbox was just expanding into Europe for the first time and managed to kind of blag my way in to be one of their first team members on the ground in uh, in Europe and became their one of their first recruiters outside of the United States. It's been a really happy few years at Dropbox, um, learning all there was to know about kind of scale-up, mad talent world that happens with these unicorn companies. Um, then after that, I kind of craved the the slightly smaller, back to basics, maybe less extravagantly funded world of can we do it without massive multi-million dollar budgets? <laughs> um, and so I went into startup world proper after that, and that's where I've really been ever since. So since Dropbox, mm. I've, I've spent a bit of time in, in a few index ventures portfolio companies. Um, Business of Fashion, a wonderful fashion media company, that was a, a really interesting scaling story a few years back, and moved on to a, an HR technology company called Beamery, as head of people there for years took a career break last year which I guess I'm really glad that I did now that career breaks and travel is kind of out of <laughs> and, um, I'm well it, yeah well you know I, I, I kind of don't want to say it too much because people go oh God, you managed to fit that in did you excellent um, and then did a bit of consulting when I came back and, and then was introduced to my current CEO here at Cutover um, just before the, the holidays last year and um you know, it was a perfect fit. A CEO who really had um, a very people-centric vision um, and, and wanted someone to kind of be his right-hand person to throw ideas around and execute a people-centric strategy. And it's been a delight, even with this crazy pandemic. I know we shouldn't be talking about the pandemic. We've had pandemic to death, uh, pardon the pun, weird pun, morbid, um, this year. So let's not talk about that. But even with all the craziness of 2020, it's been a magic year of scale. We've doubled in size and, uh, you know, I've had really have had the most enjoyable year of my career so far. Well, look, I mean, you know, being able to have a, a bit of a career and a bit of a, a journey over the last few years where, 
you've had a bit of balance in your life and had a bit of, you know, um, taking care of yourself as well as taking care of other people, I think is uh, is probably really key to something that I hope you're going to share with us in a, in a moment. But um, you're now Head of Talent at Cutover, uh, which is the leader, as I mentioned, in work orchestration and observability. I really hope you're going to tell people what that means in about five seconds. Um, you raised an incredible $17 million Series A um, around this time last year. Tell me a bit about what's been going on there and, and especially over the last six months or so, how's things? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, without going into too much depth and boring the ears off everyone, Cutover is all about efficiency and visibility in large enterprises. We're enterprise software. We work with a lot of financial services companies. We help to automate things and orchestrate things. So making humans and machines' lives collaborate a little bit easier than otherwise they would. So that's the that's the five seconds of my take on, on Cutover. But yeah, you know, we, we were super fortunate to have Index Ventures come on board to lead our, um, our Series A round in November last year, goodness, nearly a year ago, and um, it was a big raise, and, and, and with that was an ambitious vision that, that came with it. And um, we've we've really invested very heavily in in the team, unsurprisingly, this year, growing from 50 to around about 100 where we are now. Um, we've got an office in in London, an office in New York, um, obviously fully remote at the moment. But one of the things that we have done that I'm, I'm kind of very pleased about is invested in an engineering function in both offices. I feel as someone who's worked for a San Francisco company, not in San Francisco, offices <laughs> can very much feel like remote call centers, not connected to a culture, to a mission, to a vision. And I feel like having an engineering and product function in every office makes a massive difference, even if it's small, to connect mm. that team and that group to the product and what the company actually does. So that's one of the many things that we've done this year in terms of ensuring that we have a, a balanced and hopefully sustainable approach to building a team on both sides of the Atlantic and making everyone feel as connected as it possible as it possibly is in this year. So yeah, that's um it's been it's been a hell of a year, Marissa, tell you what, but it's um it's been great fun. <laughs> I'm just gonna repeat something that you said there, um, so that you know everybody who who hears this is aware of just how unique that is. Um, those of you who know a bit about my background, I've almost exclusively worked for companies out of the Valley, out of Silicon Valley. And to have engineers outside of California, even outside of California, and to have them maybe even in New York or in, or in Austin was an exceptional, you know, business transformation to, to do that with some of the companies that, that I've been with. Um, so yeah, to have them on both sides of the world, on all sides of the world, um, as you say, like really connects people to the core of the business. And if you're a product oriented company, you know, you really want to make sure that that DNA flows through everyone, regardless of whether you're in California or not. So um, having been there myself and, and knowing how frustrating that can be, um, it really is unique and obviously very much part of the DNA of, of your organization as well. So which is, yeah, unique. Um You've held obviously talent folk, talent uh, roles, talent leadership roles at, at some really sexy places that you were sharing with us before Dropbox, the business of fashion and beamery. Um, give us an idea, and obviously in our cutover, give us an idea of some of the big wins or the big learns that you've had over the last little while. The big learnings, I think, is always a good way to 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 take this. I think for me, and I think we'll probably segue into this later on in the conversation, but I've realised after my last couple of gigs, that it's never too early to invest in your line management team. It's never mm -hmm. too early to start thinking in a more structured way about career progression. It's never too early to start really giving your managers 
the tools and the level of accountability and responsibility to let them know that you know it's not just a, a moonlighting job being a manager. It's so important both for business goals, but also from a retention mechanism as well of having a line management, line management team that's able to grow the careers of the talented people that you're really grafting hard to bring into your organization. And that classic old adage of people don't leave companies, they leave managers, is still kind of true, even it's though it's a massive, <laughs> massive old cliche. And so, you know, I, I think in the past, I've, I've stumbled a little bit when I've maybe neglected and deprioritized manager training and thought like, oh, we'll do that when we get to 150, we'll do that when we get to 200, it'll be fine. Um, the bigger you are, the slower the ship is to turn. And so we've done a lot of work over this last kind of four or five months at Cutover when we've gone from, you know, the 60s to the 90s in terms of headcount and really trying to double down on working with our line managers, codifying behaviors and, and helping them not only in terms of the, the core management skills, but you know, looking at safeguarding mental health of their teams as well and being real advocates for balance and well-being in the workplace because startup life is crazy at the best of times and 2020 is definitely not the best of times and so what what we have is is hopefully going to be a mentality and a team vibe in our line management squad that um, is able to to be there and look out for their team as well as set great goals and manage their careers effectively so I think that was a big lesson that I learned you know over the last few years that I'm hopefully hopefully not going to screw up again frankly and let's let's go into that in a in a little bit more detail. I mean, both you and I have had the experience of of being in startups, but also being the first feet on the ground, perhaps in a new location or in a new region. And uh, and yeah, like it can be pretty crazy up front. And you know, as talent leaders, one thing that we're all keenly aware of is sure we may you know own the top of funnel. We may be the people who introduce um, you know potential employees, but it's actually the managers who have the responsibility of assessment and selection. Um, when a company typically raises its first bit of funding, they're often faced with a real challenge in order to you know, scale the talent team, scale the talent in their organization, their leadership, et cetera. And you've got experience doing that many times now during the very early stages. So what, what sort of measures, what techniques, what strategies have you put in place to make sure that your hiring house, your, your management organization is in order over there at Cutover? Yeah, I mean, it's it's the million dollar question, isn't it? What's the magic the magic wand to wave to make this work? And there the really isn't one. But I mean, some of the things that I've that I've done and we've done has has just been, you know, a mindset that was being cemented in in full company of hiring as a team sport. Again, super cheesy, super cliche, but it's getting super that true. Team, but it really is true. And and making sure that you know. The, the full organization from interns to execs are invested in the growth story and understanding of the why behind why we're growing. You know, what's the journey? What's the route? What's the vision? And how does the great people, how do the great people that we're going to bring into the organization help us to get a few steps closer towards making that vision a reality? Um, and a lot of that comes from repetitive messaging from the top. Um, and I think making sure that your executive, your CEO or whoever else on that C-level mm -hmm. team is super bought into that rep repetitive messaging and at your weekly all hands or whatever the cadence is of, of full company meetings, ensuring that it is your executive or executives, plural, that are talking repeatedly about the importance of hiring, the importance about building your talent community and your network and attracting great people into the business makes a massive difference and makes our life in the kind of people and talent world 10 times easier if you've got that genuine executive sponsorship and everyone knows mm -hmm. it. So that's 
absolutely key for me. And you know, we go into many rabbit holes of, of different ways of, of hiring people and attracting talent and tools and technologies. But you know, I think in previous 19 episodes, you've covered so much of the good stuff there. So let's not bother. But I think for the line manager stuff, you know, as you rightly said, Marissa, what happens like after new hire onboarding? There's one thing that every company really obsesses about is that first month or six weeks once a new hire gets there with the people team still involved or the managers are jazzed and have their 90-day plans lined up or hopefully they do um but then oftentimes you get a cliff at the end of that where it's like oh cool they're onboarded what awesome. now <laughs> um, see you when you leave you know all the best um but so making sure that you, you have your line management team you know equipped with the toolkit to understand what comes next and you know how to think about having these regular cadence of conversations with their teams about progression, growth, learning, development. Now, I'm not saying that we've got all the bells and whistles here at Cutover because we're still sub 100 people, but you know, starting to broker those discussions and starting to get our managers thinking about these topics with their team members has been massively important to set the standards of that's what our team should expect of their managers. And this is the type of expectations that we have as a, as a leadership team on our line managers too so for me that's been the kind of the key to sustainability and you know with a fully remote world that we're currently in giving managers the toolkit to be able to do what they do over zoom via slack mm. you know not in person and taking people out for a coffee or a beer after work has been kind of that extra level of difficulty and investment that we've had to put in and frankly it's just to be honest with you, it's been about extra effort. You know, there's no mm. no real tool that can magic a, a remote manager into an amazing manager. It's about ensuring that people understand that they should make extra effort and that extra 15%, 20% of effort is going to make everyone's life so much easier. And getting a, a passionate and inspired line management function in your business is, is, is going to be... You know, I think the thing that everyone in scale-up world should really strive for, uh, and you know, I'm glad to say I feel that we're we're really on track for that at Cutover, which is is not something that I've been able to say in in past lives quite as confidently as I am now, and it's a really nice feeling. Um, but obviously, talk to me in six months see if it's all falling apart. Who knows? You know, but <laughs> no, I feel we're I feel Don't we're on a good, down. good track. Yeah. <laughs> I um. I, I guess, you know, there's there's one thing that I want to pick up on there, and that is, you know, you talked about having like a fabulous onboarding experience, maybe even, you know, as talent leaders, we're, we're obsessed with, with having a fabulous, you know, assessment and selection and hiring experience as well. And it's just so true that if you don't invest in people after that, if you don't invest in manage, the managers, um, because it's not the HR team or the people experience, the people operations team who are going to be looking after them, you know, beyond that two-week training program. And I think the same should be said for the managers as well. A lot of people are like, I want to do manager training. I want to go on that manager training course. And what you guys have been doing is sure, like investing in some, you know, sort of a more formalized training. But then what have you been doing to kind of maintain that um, so that it's not just a one shot kind of development experience? Yeah, it's a good question, Marissa. And, and look, there's so much I guess, interesting noise, shall I say, in the kind of third party um, provider space for manager training. You know, a lot of mm. big money options out there and a lot of kind of very confident you can claims. all the money you have if you want. <laughs> yeah, you, can, you can easily find a hundred grand evaporate from your corporate purse if you, if you go and mm. be romanced by some of these big mm. top tier management training courses out there. So, I mean, we, we, one, haven't got the budget for that mm. and two, 
haven't mm. got the desire to spend, even if we did. And so one mm. of the things that we've done to try and, you know, make this learning and development journey for managers a little bit more casual and, and ongoing mm-hmm. is, is not kind of have this kind of big, heavy external spend, but mm. to, to build our own stuff with people from our network. So an example I'll give you is um, I spent a lot of time last quarter partnering with um, a counsellor contact of mine, awesome recently trained counsellor who has done a load of great work with, you know, young people and is, is had a background in PR and run a, a PR agency in hyper stressful world for about 15 years. And so well placed to talk about how to be a great manager in times of stress. And so mm-hmm. her and I have collaborated together to build a very cut over manager specific safeguarding mental health in the workplace training course for our managers that goes through a lot of the stuff that a broader management training course would. So for example, giving great feedback, delegation, you know, asking the right questions, conflict resolution, mm-hmm. such like, but all framed rather than through the lens of business goals and let's win, 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 but more so let's try and alleviate some of the anxiety that comes with having these conversations, especially in times of massive global stress, fully remote, etc., and giving managers the tools and I guess the the safe space for conversation between themselves, facilitated by myself and our counselor contact and you know enabling that conversation to happen more organically between managers rather than you know death by PowerPoint here are the 10 management commands of consultancy firm X or Y so for me that that sort of slightly more casual but more um homegrown approach to it has been really great sure it's a load more effort than going and getting an off-the-shelf training course um, and you do have to be you know, networking and connected with relevant people who are willing to take you up on the offer of collaborating with you. Um, but for us, you know, we've been doing these training sessions over the last couple of weeks. It's been great. They've been really good. I've, I've enjoyed them. Um, my management team have as well. And, and I feel like the level of conversation and discussion there has, has made everyone feel really good. And having that kind of step back from the day-to-day work has also added a lot of value there. So that's one of the many things that we've been doing, Marissa, but I think I couldn't recommend more the the thinking outside of the box for want of a better cliche of like yeah. how do we want to do this training and how do we not want to just kind of tap into your google search bar manager training london and seeing the the, the three top ranked things because probably those three top ranked things are going to take 50 grand off you when that's not really necessary you know you can probably do a lot more without 50 grand within your business than you know going and picking and choosing the alleged top tier stuff out there um so yeah that's that's one of the things that and i do. think I know we spoke about this earlier in the week, but the fact that you have wrapped it in, you know, the safeguarding mental health um, story that that you were sharing with us earlier this week and that you've just gone into a bit there as well. I mean, ultimately, managers are responsible for the well-being of the people that they manage, whether that's achieving professional goals, achieving, you know, personal goals every day. Um, And, you know, so often we just focus on hitting numbers or hitting a target we don't really think about the the route to get there and, and the fact that, you know, people need to be feeling good in order to work well. <laughs> I mean, it's a it's a, a pretty basic kind of equation. Um, I think one thing that um, that you shared with us as well the other day is that it's kind of unusual to make this kind of investment and this kind of um, particularly this investment in mental well-being and balance and, and caring for your employees at such an early stage you know, 95 people in your company, 
pardon me, and <laughs> sorry, um, 95 people in, in, in Cutover and you're already making this investment and, and taking the time and, and you know, placing a real importance as an organisation on doing this. How have you made that happen? Yeah, I mean, look, we, we are doing it definitely earlier than many do. And it's it's a pleasure, to be honest with you, Marissa, that we've, that we've been back to do it by a CEO. And I think, you know, he and I have talked at length about sustainable growth and making sure that we build the foundations this year and next year to be able to become a 200 person, 500 person, 1000 person organization without massive churn and massive craziness happening or a, a huge change of direction. And so for me, you know, taking a couple of steps back and investing more time and effort in these important foundation blocks this year has been you know, the thing that makes the most sense. So many businesses, and I've been guilty of this in the past and previous scale ups is feeling as if I have to be in sprint mode all the time and just always looking at the next horizon and trying to get over the hill. Whereas most of the time, sprint mode burns you out, guess what? And also leads to kind of itchy trigger finger, poor decision-making and knee-jerk stuff carrying on. So being backed by the executive team to maybe not be in traditional sprint mode, but sprinting towards some other goals that will uh, help to solidify these foundations Really, that's been the, the route to it, but having that strong executive partnership and, and having that executive team being willing to invest in the line management team has, has been the route for me to make this happen. I mean, we, we've all been there when we've been in startup mode and you've got um, leadership teams or, or founders or CEOs who are like, I don't care about any of that. You know, we're here to work, you know, win, 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 sprint, sprint, sprint. You know, you can't sustain that level of activity indefinitely. It's just not humanly possible to do that. So um, the fact that you, you've got a leadership team and an organisation that's prioritising, um, keeping people well and keeping people focused and keeping people motivated so early, I mean, it must mean that down the line that you're just going to reap dividends in terms of retention of great talent, in terms of, you know, not having a knowledge drain of people leaving and, and you know, all the benefits that you'll get from that. I'd like, I'd like to think so, Marissa. And, you know, going back to kind of talking about the, the fully remote world in which we are and how we've managed to double the team in size pretty much over the course of the pandemic and having nearly half the organisation never having met another employee at Cutup, which is bonkers. But because people have felt looked after and are pretty engaged in what we're doing and the vision and how we do things, them making that extra 10 or 15% of effort to be more welcoming, to reach out to new hires, to, you know, to be available virtually and remotely has, has just been second nature to most people. It hasn't, it hasn't felt like for my team that we've been twisting arms and forcing people to be smiling at new hires and, you know, choreographing some kind of, weird zombie-like approach to onboarding and welcome it's been very genuine and I, I don't even have to ask people to reach out to new hires they just do it and it's it's just so nice and that people are, are willing to invest some more of their time and making other new hires feel welcomed and yeah I, I hope that what you're saying is absolutely going to come true and that we're we're going to have these foundations going to pay dividends in in x amount of months or years time and, and avoid a lot of the sticky scenarios that can happen in this next couple of stages of growth I think you know there's a, there's a ton of research out there Burson is one that comes to mind that talks about line management um 
you know, a capability because, you know, sure, the executives know what they're doing and they're building the product and they've got the vision and the strategy and you've got all these new employees coming in going, yeah, 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 this is amazing to be here. But if that sort of bit in the middle isn't able to help you scale and help you grow, you know, it doesn't matter how amazing the founder is and it doesn't matter how many people you hire, it's just not going to scale. It's it's not going to be sustainable. So um, I really hope that people, you know, if they are listening today and they want to know more, I really hope that they reach out to you or that they, you know, that that you get an opportunity to, to get an even greater platform to share what you've been doing because it is, um, you know, without without blowing too much smoke because I'm an Aussie after all, it is pretty exceptional and, um, and certainly very unique. So, um, you know, good for you, good for the team at Cutover and, and hopefully um, we'll hear lots of great news from you down the line. A um, couple of quick closing questions just to finish up our, our final episode. Um, anything that you're watching or anything that you're reading or listening to for inspiration when it comes to new ideas and, and innovation? You know what? I've taken, I've taken a, a hiatus from business books and business stuff. I feel like I've... I've, I've for the last 15 years. Well, that's your, I might join you. You know, I'm, I'm one year into this hiatus and it feels bloody great. So what am I reading for inspiration? I'm reading Donna Tart, The Goldfinch. And it's been great. You know, it's fantastic to be able to escape from, from everything this year. So uh, maybe I'll, I'll pick up some business books and podcasts once again. But for now, happy just being, uh, being whisked away to the world of fiction. Um, and, you know, what better, what better way to kind of, uh, how to say, like a... Um, supercharge your imagination by reading great fiction great novels escaping a little bit from you know what we've been living through over these last few months I think if I read Jane Austen's I think she only ever published seven novels if I read them I've basically got them on a loop at the moment um so uh yeah I couldn't agree with you more um and what's one thought or philosophy or, or phrase that that you like to live by well that's a good one um the golden nugget of fruit. The golden nugget. Well, you know, I know you're Australian, so I apologise in, in advance okay. for this. But there's a great book about the New Zealand All Blacks that came out a few years ago that had, you know, one of their key leadership principles of the New Zealand All Blacks rugby team. And that was sweep the sheds. And basically what that means is, you know, you're never too big, you're never too senior to do the small stuff. And the notion is that the New Zealand All Blacks, it's the most senior players who tidy up and clean the changing rooms after a training session. And I love that. And one thing I really do hate is where people say it's not my job or I'm too senior for that because that's it's crap, really <laughs> is. You know, and I want to be part of a business that's down to earth, it's humble, that gets stuff done. You know, I, I love doing the doing and I want to be surrounded by people who still kind of have the passion to get some great work product done rather than just sit in the ivory tower. So sweep the sheds is, uh, is what I'll say to that. Except you would say it's sweep the sheds. If it was the All Blacks yeah, who were saying it, <laughs> uh, the greatest rugby team on earth, a hundred percent, and um, and and you know some fantastic players over the past few years, both visually like Dan Carter and also you know professionally like Richie McCaw and Monanu and and everybody else. So couldn't agree with you more. Massive rugby fan, love the ABs. Um, Alex, it's been a pleasure talking to you this morning. Um, I'm sorry if at the very beginning I seemed a little bit distracted. Distracted. We had a minor canine catastrophe happening uh, around my ankles as just as we got started. So I do apologise for the bending down and sort of um, uh, fussing around with that. Um, 
this is the end of the series, as we mentioned. Um, I want to thank you, Alex, for, for your honesty and, and transparency. And, and in particular, as I mentioned, you know, it's it's incredibly unique and incredibly special what you're doing um, in, in, you know, from a talent perspective, partnering with your leadership um, at such an early stage. And I genuinely wish you and all of the team at Cutover the very best um, over the next period. Mm -hmm.